sometimes you end on a note of praise and it's just it's like you're free to go out and do what God said do let's pray Lord we thank you for your presence you're always with us Lord you really really are Pray, Lord, that we would uh, continually be able to sense your presence here from here on here as you rest upon us and help us to uh, help us to get your word down into our spirit, Lord, down into our heart where it will grow, produce a harvest. I thank you, Father. I ask for your help to bring this out, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. out of it what you put into it and sometimes you don't feel like it but if you you will press through that hard place and you just choose to honor him then he he reveal himself all of a sudden and you're like wow he was here the whole time and uh, you know you can you can come down to where it's really heavy worship and you're just in tears or you're just in joy and you're praising God and you're dancing and it's such a personal thing between you and him you know <clears throat> Well, praise God. If you got your Bible, turn with me over to Galatians chapter 2. How are you all? You guys blessed and highly favored. Did you already have church today? It's like we already had church, now we're going to do it again. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So the title of today's message is um, Victory in God's Presence. <laughs> Thank you, Becky, for that encouragement. I had a teacher in Bible college that used to say, "If you guys," he, he said, "I," he said, I, "I was a youth pastor for years." He said, "He said if you don't encourage me, that's fine." He said, "I'll just encourage myself." <laughs> and we were all sitting there looking at him, and he said, "Amen." So, yeah, victory with God's presence. And uh, you know what you're thinking. Why not victory in God's presence? <clears throat> that is what you were thinking, right? See, I knew it. Yeah. It's true. There is victory in God's presence. But I want to show you here in the Word that if you have accepted Jesus as Lord, you already have his presence with you and in you and upon you. Remember, Jesus said, I am with you till the end of the age. So his presence is with you. You have victory wherever you go because he is with you. It's just a matter of drawing near to him in such a way that his continuing presence is more and more real to you. And then victory is just there. Here in Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul makes a powerful statement. So he says... <clears throat> Um, I was looking at the wrong verse. There we go. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, 
but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, or in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I'm not the one who's alive anymore, but Christ is alive in me. And you could say, he's like, I'm not living for myself. You know, I, 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 he, he, as far as he's concerned, he, I, the, old, the old Paul is dead. I'm alive in Christ because Christ is alive in me. So he lives in me. He's with me. He's at my right hand. He goes before me. He's got my back. The word says the very same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in me. So it's not just his life, it's also his power. The same power that raised him from the dead is alive in you. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord. So then he's with me in times of sorrow. He's with me in the storm. He's with me in the battle. He's with me during times of gladness. In times of celebration, in harvest time, Psalm 46 calls God an ever-present help in time of need. Doesn't always seem that way, though. You know, sometimes he seems distant, and we wonder why. You know, it's like, where are you? So I, I drew near to God this week. That's a good thing, you know. It, it wasn't just this week. I, I draw near to him a lot. But, but I do near to him. And so I'll tell you how I do that. I tell him out loud, Lord, I'm drawing near to you now. The whole reason God sent Jesus to save the lost was so in receiving Jesus, we would no longer be lost, but be able to be in his presence. If you're in his presence, you are not lost. So God created mankind for relationship with him. Relationship, though, that word requires, it requires at least two. A person can't have relationship by themselves. Right? So all through the word, you read the word, all through the word, and you, you look at all the different people in the word. God is reminding them. He is with them. Did you see, have you noticed that? Many times he's reminding the same person over and over and over again, I am with you. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Why, why do we need to hear it over and over and over again? Well, first, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. That's his word to you. I am with you. So, so why, why the constant reassurance other than that? You know, well, for one, you know, he wants us to be aware because he's, he's constantly reminding us, I am with you. That's, that he's saying, my presence is with you. That's, you know, so why, why does he, he want us to, why did, why, okay, why did he tell us that? Well, it's because he wants us to be aware of it. Why did he tell you that he's with you? Because he wants you to know. He wants you to know. And, you know, I think that we so easily forget, you know, because we humans, we so easily get caught up in the day-to-day -day routine of life. You know, the ordinary kind of fills up the foreground and just filled with the mundane, you know, we, or we, you know, you get, 
We pull the wool of the mundane over our own eyes. Well, think about this. God is not mundane. So if I'm pulling the wool of the mundane over my eyes, then God has no part of that because God's not mundane. He's full of life. So we begin to notice his presence in our lives less and less, and we can do that to a point where we don't look for his presence at all. Or you could say, I don't look, I'm, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm used to his presence over here in this part of my life, but I'm not so, you know. One of the, one of the, I heard a minister say one time, he's walking into a building, and God said, you know, you and I have a great business relationship. And he's like, wait. <laughs> because he's so caught up in, because, yeah, you can work with God. And building relationship, I mean, working with God, that builds relationship with him. But that builds that part of your relationship with him. So then over here, I'm just sitting in his presence. That's a different aspect of my relationship with him. I mean, with, with, uh, with, with Tammy, with my wife, you know, we work, we work together sometimes. And that, that builds relationship, you know, sometimes we butt heads about how the best way to do things is. But, but you know, we work, but our, our working relationship is different than our resting relationship. <laughs> so now, in the past, we've said this to you, we've made this statement. God is always present wherever you are. It's just a question of how aware of his presence you are. Or you could say God exists everywhere simultaneously, but he may not be manifesting his presence in one area over another. Jesus said in John 14, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. The Amplified Bible says, I will make myself real to them. Well, you know as well as I do that we don't need to see something to know that it's real. Like, I know Jesus is real, but it's different when he reveals himself to me in a, in a new way or a tangible way that I'm like, wow. Hmm. But there's a qualifier, though. He said a person must accept his commandments and obey them. That's two different things, right? If a person accepts his commandments, but they don't obey them, now they're what? We call that a, a hypocrite. So I receive his commandment. I, rece- I, I look at what he's telling me to do, and I approve that. And I say, yes, that's, you're right. That's good. I should be doing that. Am I actually going to do it? That's the obey part. And, ooh, you know, I don't think I met a person that likes to hear the word obey. The flesh doesn't like to obey. Our flesh wants to do, do its own thing, but even see, even though here's comfort, Jesus held himself to that same qualifier. In John eight, he said, "The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I hear the Father do." So Jesus, and Jesus, he said, "My my teaching is not my own." So could Jesus have brought his own doctrine, a different doctrine, into the earth? Of course he can. But instead, he chose to obey his father. And because of that, he said, the father has never left me. You can see that in his ministry. I mean, people are getting healed and 
I mean, miracles are happening all over the place. Why? Because that's, that's God revealing his presence to Jesus because he obeys what the Father says too. And so, you know, in, in thinking about this, because people think, well, if I have to do what God says to do all the time, I, I will feel constricted. I'll feel, you know, I have to let, let this, you know, I'm not, I'm not free. That's what, you know, you read Psalm 2. The world is like, it says, the nations gathered against themselves against God and his anointed one. They're like, we're going to cast his chains off of us. We're going to be free. Well, have you, Jesus obeyed his father at every point. But do we, do we think of Jesus as not being free? There was no more free individual on this earth. Because obeying God never put anybody into chains. Obeying God brings freedom and blessings and releases his presence into your life. So I heard a, a person say one time, God's laws set people, or not God's laws, good laws set people free. You've heard that? Good laws set people free. In uh, John 15, 12, Jesus said these words, this is my commandment. That you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another, just as I've loved you, that's NLT, unselfishly seek the best for one another. That is the law of love. Now, we're still talking about presence, though. Specifically, right now, we're talking about God's presence. We'll get over to the other side of the coin in just a bit here, but right now, we're dealing with the head side of the coin. Why? Because Christ is the head of the church. why I didn't become a comedian but I'll probably tell that joke again anyway so here's a question how many of you have gone through a bad situation in life a storm of life and you know God pulled you out <laughs> so you may have been wounded and battered but God pulled you out the Bible talks about storms of life trouble we encounter simply because we live in a world that is no longer in the state that it was in when God made it, fallen state. Turn back with me a couple books back to Matthew chapter 14. Y'all with me so far? Matthew 14. We want to look down at verse 22. So it says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Notice that, that Jesus made him do it. He's like, get in the boat. <laughs> we, we, a lot of times, you know, people in the world especially see Jesus as like, we love everybody, and I won't tell anybody what to do. No, Jesus is like, get in the boat. Time to go. So he says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening had come, or when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, this is because this is a, this is a big deal, he's walking on the sea. So they, saw, they see him walking on the sea. When they saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Now, <laughs> you got to love this. It's, it's like it, didn't, it doesn't even occur to them that it's Jesus. 
because it's like people can't walk on the water, so they see a guy walking on the water and they assume it's got to be a ghost. You know, um, now, <laughs> so then, okay, we're going to dissect this a bit, but in this verse here, does it not tell us then that it's possible to not recognize God in the middle of your storm? He's there. Just didn't recognize him. Or that it's possible to mistake him for someone else or something else. It's a ghost. They, they, they think he's a ghost. Well, see, now, now, there's a wrong belief the disciples had right there. I mean, the scriptures don't talk about. Because we, when we say, I mean, it, the word is translated spirit, but people take, but in our culture, it's like ghost means that's a person who has died, but their, their spirit has not departed. And it's just kind of wandering around someplace. And Well, um, us as Christians, we can say we're sorry, but the Bible says that when a person dies... There's only two places that they can go, you know, those who belong to Jesus go to be with him. Those who do not go to another place called hell, you know. So, see, your, your body then is your ticket to be present here on the earth dying. The way the Bible teaches it is, is not, is not deceased, ceasing to exist. It's just separation from the body. Paul said that for the believer to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord, Good place to be. So, I mean, I'd say to be present with the Lord is to be more alive than ever. I mean, you're in, you're in God's direct presence. He is. He, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> and so, you can get to, to a place in your life where you can recognize him more easily in the storms of life. So you, you can always get to know him better. So you, the better you know him, the easier it will be for you to recognize him when he reveals himself to you. So, you know, there's always more of him because he's infinite. So you can always get to know him better. But it takes time. It takes, and it takes developing a hunger for him. You know, if I, I mean, I, I, I ask like, Lord, give, you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel like reading this all the time. Flesh doesn't want to do that. But I can ask God for a desire to love this word. And I can ask him for a desire to want to know him more. And I, on my end, I can, I can cultivate a hunger for him. I can cultivate a taste for seeking him out. I mean, if you can acquire a taste for coffee, you know. So, you know, like I said, the disciples, they, even they, see, they, they, they mistake Jesus for something else. It's a superstition, you know. It's a, a superstition is a, a belief in something that you don't understand. Uh, and so, you know, would you not agree that they, they, could, they could have gotten to where they more easily recognized him? I mean, they, they're with him all the time. So someone might ask, you know, well, you know, what about, uh, what about ghost hunters and internet shows and things like that? I mean, you see this, it's a... It's a you know, some of that's fake. Not all of it is fake. You know, and uh, you can see over in the Old Testament, the book of Job, God asked the devil what he's been up to. God already knows the answer. He just asked for our sake so that we, so we would know. The devil tells God from going to and fro on the earth. So the devil and his demons, they operate in the earth. So 
I mean, Jesus cast out demons all the time. It's, why would the devil be any less in operation than he is, you know, when he was then? So, remember in Luke ten nineteen, Jesus told us, Behold, I give you authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will by any means hurt you. Jesus gave the church authority over the devil. But as long as people are willing to take their eyes off God and look at, ooh, well, look at these little paranormal things and all this stuff going on. As long as they're willing to do that, the devil's more than happy to accommodate them. And he doesn't care if they believe it's a ghost or not. He doesn't care. Why? Because all he cares about is getting their eyes off Jesus. He doesn't care about taking the credit, necessarily. He wants to distract from God's presence. Now, we're still here in Matthew 14. The disciples cry out in fear because they see Jesus in the water, in the storm. <laughs> They mistaken for a ghost. Let's read 27 again. Jesus says, but immediately, it, it, it says, immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now, I don't think that I've ever found a Bible translation that really does justice to what Jesus just said. You remember back in Exodus, God spoke to Moses from a burning bush. Moses, you know, God says, I've heard the cry of my people. I've come down to deliver them. I'm sending you. You as my representative, right? Moses tries to talk God out of it. But first Moses goes, well, who, who should I say is sending me? They'll ask what your name is. And remember God said, I am who I am. And he, he said, tell them, therefore tell them I am has sent, has sent me to you. But see, it sounds like a strange name. Well, it's, you know, God's giving himself a title. But he said, that's my personal name, Yahweh. But it makes sense that a creation would have a hard time understanding its creator because we're like, well, that sounds, what do you mean, I am? It seems, seems odd, you know. When God says I am in the Hebrew, it literally means I exist. I don't need anything to exist. I don't need air. I don't need food. I don't need clothes. I, I exist. I am. Amen. So when Jesus said, it is, he says, it is I in the Greek, those are, those are the same, it has the same meaning. It, I exist. Jesus is like, I am. That would have meant something to the disciples. So, Jesus is telling his disciples he's God. As he stands there in the middle of this storm. And they, they got it. They, they, they got it. And you'll see that in a second here. But he's, he's like, I am. And see, it makes perfect sense that they would believe him because he's standing in in the ocean and you've got waves and wind and he's got complete control over every detail and what's he say don't be afraid it's me so look look see let's let's read it down for a little further It says, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and, what? Worshipped him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. (laughs) 
Most people miss that. I missed it many times. I don't know why we miss things like that. We'll get back into that more. We'll, read, we'll dissect that a little bit further. But we can all get to that place of being so aware of God's presence that we can have perfect peace in the middle of the storm. Because I am. I'm with you. <laughs> 